Hi, Jay. Hey there, Tyler. How are you? Well, I'm just lovely today. I have a question for you. I'd so love to as try we and go it. into, as we go into 2021, yes. As we are now kind of fully at the top of the slide of 2021. Here's my. It's a predictive question. Okay. I want you to choose a movie, television show, or video game that you think that you're predicting will represent 2021. And so what I mean is like, this is gonna be the Mario Brothers year, or this is gonna, not like what you're gonna do, but if you had to identify like, what do you hope 2021 to be? Which, what's a character or media property that you want to make as a prediction? This is the year of, in the same way that the Chinese Zodiac has the year of the rat, the year of the, the ram. This could be the right. year of Indiana Jones or the year of the Smurfs I'm, or something like that. I, what came to mind, and this is, you, you and I were talking a little bit before we push record about you know, the eternal optimism streak that we each carry. Um, mm-hmm. This is not so much a particular film or entity or title or anything like that, but I would like for 2021 to be the year of the locker room speech. Ooh. I would like us as a, as a nation, but even more importantly as a church, to take a knee <laughs> and, and have the orchestral swell of Friday Night Lights or, or Miracle if you're a hockey fan as I am or whatever. Pick your favorite sports movie. When the coach comes into the locker room, your team's down by five. And, and this is it. You got to put it all out in the line. And the coach throws together the most amazing, spontaneous speech you've ever heard anybody give in their life. Because I don't think, I don't know, this is this might sound a little depressing, but I'm going to stand by it. I don't know that 2021 is going to be the victory. I think that 2021 oh, is yeah. the setup for the victory. Uh, yeah, we'll talk about that later, but I do think like people acted like as soon as the clock rolled over on the, the January 1st, it's like, we did it. It's over. Like, no. nope, that's not how life works. No, no, this is, so, this, wait, this is me, the fourth, the third quarter, you know, locker room, the halftime locker room. Let me push into that. What is the best locker room speech in, uh, it just, so I know you haven't had time to think about it, right. but you brought it up. So like impromptu as of right now front of your mind what's the what do you go to best locker room speech i i think it has to be for for a hilarious reason it's got to be the locker room speech in the movie miracle uh coach herb brooks speaking to the the united states olympic team in 1980 that beat the soviets uh and and part because it's a great scene uh they they Mm -hmm. shoot it well they frame it well it's a great speech but also, was it the kid president kid, or was it just some other random kid on YouTube recreated the speech word for word, like a five-year-old? I don't know. I, I mean, kid president is pretty great, uh, and it makes sense. I have also never seen the movie Miracle. Wow, man! I, know. I don't know if you know this, but I'm not too into hockey, so that. But but. And, and I'm like mildly into Kurt Russell, so the two things <laughs> that would bring me there. Are, uh, <laughs> off the table. Are, are low. I'm yeah. just excited that there's a movie in this universe uh, that I have seen that you have not. That is a stark reversal for this podcast in 2021. I think it's it's that and uh, Sex in the City too oh. are the two that you've seen that I <laughs> that I haven't. One of those I very highly recommend. <laughs> I'll I'll let it and up. Miracles okay. Miracles okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. You have to watch Sex in the City too. You're all in on Sex in the City yeah, too. 100%. Yeah. So my best locker room speech yes. uh, is from an SNL sketch by Will Forte uh, with, when uh, 
uh, uh, who, Peyton Manning was the host. Oh, and, yeah. uh, and they have this, uh, it's like a, a sketch where uh, the, they're losing. It's on a basketball team and they're losing and they go into the the locker room and Will Forte is like uh, trying to get him riled up. He's like, when I when I was your age, uh, when I was in college, my coach uh, played this song for me and it and it and it raised my spirits. And we went out there and got it. And he he puts in uh, this tape and it plays this song called Casino Royale <laughs> by Burt Bacharach. <laughs> it's a uh, Burt Bacharach and the I think Herb Alpert and the Tijuana Brass. Like it's it's. The cheesiest '60s swinger song, no <laughs> lyrics, and and Will Forte like very seriously, in the most Will Forte way, like uh, is listening to it and just keeps dancing and moving to it, and it's it's hilarious. I'll ha- we'll have to like post a link to it or something, but oh. it's and the music is brilliant, and it it's it's my favorite locker room speech so good. <laughs> of all time. So good, but that that's that's what America needs right now. We all need to get in the locker room, take a knee. And gear up for what's coming, because yeah, there's more work to yeah. be done. Regroup. Yeah, we're starting, we're start, starting fresh in the in the second half. Yeah, starting fresh. What about you? What what movie or genre or? I'm gonna say it's the year of Lego. Ooh, uh, it's the year of uh, rebuilding stuff and doing so creatively. Mm. Um, that that we have the option to look at how. Um, everything we were trying to build didn't work or everything we thought was there didn't work uh, and now we have the chance to do something new Yeah. and so it's the pile of Legos year let's, let's say that, it's not just Lego it's just like a big pile of Legos that have no instructions that right. are all multi-colors from different sets and the, we have the freedom to make something or the freedom to sit in front of that pile and lament that the whatever we made in the past is not there anymore that's, uh, that's a I great answer joy in that well, thanks. That's what I'm here for. That's a great answer. I uh, it, it also kind of brought some pain in my life because every Christmas I do the same thing uh, where I get this like pile of Christmas cash and gift cards or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think to myself, you know what I'd really like to own is a Lego X-Wing uh, <laughs> and, and just build that sucker. Those things are so expensive. Yeah, they're crazy expensive. Is that- we have a Millennium Falcon. Oh. So they, every year there's a new Millennium Falcon that comes out that's like, $500. Right. And then there will also be a cheaper one that's like $150, which is still crazy expensive. Yeah. One year, uh, my son got one gifted to him by a relative. Uh, like, and it was way too much, but it was, and he took probably four days of working on it nonstop when he was age seven. He built the whole thing. It was great. What what we kind of- Then took it apart. What kind of size are we talking Like scale? Uh, it's probably- the size of like a platter hmm. like uh it's bigger than a dinner plate it's it's what you it's like a, a, a the size of a medium pizza probably yeah. uh i think the really expensive ones are like the size of like a mega pizza yeah, yeah like a beach ball this one's not quite that big but it's big and uh, so we still have the instructions all of the pieces are just thrown into the big lego chest that we have uh one time uh, we had everything like divided into little baggies and it was really anal retentive and great uh and then we just decided one day in in a fit of liberation to dump everything into one big pile and just say now we can play with everything and uh it didn't really change (laughs) what we did other than uh we had some more freedom to not worry about losing pieces my goal at at this point is to go back into that box 
and because the instructions do give you all of the pieces that you need like right. in the in the back it basically gives you an index of like you need two three by sixes and two of these and, uh, and to just pull out those pieces at random regardless of the color Ooh. and to then rebuild the Millennium Falcon in a janky kind of uh, hodgepodge way which is the most and, Millennium Falcon thing you could do oh yeah and and that would be very fun. The hard thing is that so many of those pieces are very specific, and so it will it will ultimately look probably eighty percent like what the Millennium Falcon was supposed to. But right, uh, that's my that I'll say that that's my goal for twenty twenty one. I've been long wanting to do that, so that's my goal for the next twelve months. Yeah, is to rebuild the Millennium Falcon. Uh, really, it's the the pulling out of the pieces. Once I get the pieces pulled out, then it's then it's it'll take like a week to put it together. But well, so getting those pieces all out will so, take a while. So I think then for every episode of 2021 of Roughing the Pastor, we're just going to have a Falcon check. Yeah, uh, Falcon yeah, check. That's a new segment on Roughing the Pastor. So Falcon check. Where are we? How, how's it going? So with that, uh, I'm Tyler, and I'm Jay, and this is Roughing, Roughing the, the Pastor. pastor. to you and to you uh i always uh i'm a big fan of starting the new year i there's a lot of little things that i always like i like getting a new calendar Mm -hmm. i like getting new planners and stuff you i don't own any but you broke the code on social media the other day when it comes to calendars and i calendar hack i badly want to tell the fine people about your calendar hack because it's a great one so uh i realized this about four so this is one this is just basic math uh, calendars repeat themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we don't think about it that way, but they do. There's like a cycle, uh, and it's not an even cycle. It's not like every seven years. It's like they are reflexive because of leap days and stuff like that. Right. Um, but every year matches up with like four or five calendars from the past. I mean, it more than that, but like within the last 50 years. Um, and so I realized uh, um, probably four years ago uh, on reddit or something someone had posted like a marvel like pdfs of a marvel calendar from 1978 and said this matches this year so you can use this calendar and it was great and so i just like printed them off and had them in my in my office and it was this like giveaway like fan club calendar that was kind of useless other than to know the date because it didn't have any room you could write in anything because it was all like facts about peter parker and stuff like that the important stuff yeah, 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 yeah. Like, guess who was bo- Hawkeye was born this day and, and stuff like that. Um, and uh, so then I realized that um, if you go on eBay, at first you just kind of Google what years match. So 2021 matches with 1993, 1982. Uh, I think 2001 also matches huh. for this year. That was the year I graduated high school. Yeah, it's a good one. Huh. Uh, the uh, It's the year of the Space Odyssey uh, huh. as well. Um, but the, uh, the, um, oh, so if you just Google the years and then go on eBay and search for like calendars for 1982 or things like that. 
And I have found, because I've done this, I've tried to do it in, in past years, but I always forget until about December. And I found that if you don't, do, if you do it late in the game, and especially if you do it after the year has started, one, people are hip to it. And so they, it, the what would have been $10 is now like $50. Yeah, right. And two, there's not really any good ones left. So I, in like September of last year, uh, went and searched for good calendars from those those years that match up one which you still can get because they reprinted so the far side page a day calendar yes they they had they stopped doing that 19 years ago no 20 years ago uh and they used to do it every year is my favorite page a day calendar because uh, far side works really well that way and this year they have reprinted the 2001 and like updated the the information but all the dates are the same yeah and so you can buy a page a day and i think it's probably my guess is that it's still in stock if you were to go on amazon right now hmm. um and it's just the normal cost of like 15 bucks or something like that for and so i have that as a page a day calendar which is very exciting but then i also got uh, a calendar for my like a wall calendar for home and a wall calendar for the church and uh so the wall calendar for the church is a muppets 1982 <laughs> calendar <laughs> Uh, which is uh, in some ways kind of like you can still probably get a Muppets calendar, but not from 1982. No. Like so that that it feels real funky and real interesting. Uh, and then my calendar for at home, which actually uh, that one you can write stuff like the, the, the dates are a little easier to write in is a quantum leap calendar from 1993. That's unbelievable. Which is a, a fantastic show. Uh, just a great premise for a show. If you never heard of quantum leap, you should check it out. Just go on youtube and like find a trailer for it it's just this guy who leaps through the time in his own life and leaps into other people's bodies and solves uh different problems and it's always like family problems and stuff like that it's a really neat premise for a show and every every week the show was very different in that sense it was just really creative and and very early 90s Mm -hmm. kind of show uh but i loved it when i was a kid so when i was 13 i was watching quantum leap a lot and now that i'm 41 i have a quantum leap calendar you are so commemorating such exciting. a life choice by exactly yeah. exactly now does like easter and stuff like the the holidays that are lunar based do they still line up no no i wouldn't yeah. um so they there's a couple i think it's off by a week for easter um, but everything else obviously like christmas all the dates all right. the actual days are are, are correct um, but there's, I think Easter's the only thing, and I think it's off by a week. Uh, that's the only thing on there that really would need adjusted. Yeah. Uh, the, the Muppets calendar has Lincoln's birthday and Washington's birthday listed. <laughs> Do those change? President's day. <laughs> oh. Well, they did. That's before they had president's oh, day. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so that, I mean, I think they had it, but they still were listing Lincoln and Washington's birthday as separate holidays. And so. Uh, little things like that. There's obviously going to be some. I can't trust it fully, but I can trust it like 98. percent Well, so I think for day to day, check. you know, like the phone calendar is oh, still the day to day. It's yeah, yeah, it's 100. percent But for something, uh, it's a phenomenal conversational piece to have that on the wall. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oftentimes, people get excited about the end of the year and and uh, and stuff like that. Um, but this year, it seemed like there was great unity in everyone. We all decided that all of the problems in the world were because of the calendar. Yeah. And all of our problems will be solved as soon as we get our new quantum leap calendar on our wall. <laughs> and uh, 
and we can live out this new fresh year. Maybe that's the uh, problem. Maybe we all need quantum leap calendars. Everybody, nineteen ninety three. Everybody in the a, in the country, it was a go reasonable get it. year. Yeah, but that uh, one, I think that I, I, I mean, it's understandable. This has been a very difficult year for us in a lot of ways. Yeah. A lot of things happened that we didn't anticipate a lot of things didn't happen that we were really looking forward to and it was definitely not the year that anyone planned um and yet uh i the more i would see particularly the more i would see posts from people about how uh how giddy they were to dance on the ashes of 2020 uh it made me kind of sad because i i think that um this year we can't just throw that year out because it was a year that happened to all of us and to just lump to do the binary thing of good versus bad and just say 2020 was bad therefore it was all bad so let's throw the whole thing in the garbage um we miss a lot and and yes 2020 was un unprecedented in terms of the extreme amount of things that happened that we weren't ready for uh and that changed really everything it was a collective bad year for us and yet there were some really good things and so i i then went into uh tyler the optimist the kind of hope hopeless optimist uh mode can you be a hopeless uh, okay yeah i'm gonna play i'm gonna play with that combination of words a little bit here yeah, yeah. I often I, I I go back and forth between calling myself a hopeless optimist or a cynical optimist. I think cynical <laughs> optimist is probably better. Yeah, hopeless. I, and, and I use hopeless more in the sense of saying like I'm not without hope. It is it is hopeless in that I will ever stop being an optimist. Right. So that one doesn't really work as well. Like a hopeless romantic or something. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I'm, I regardless of what the situation is, I will always be an optimist, often in spite of myself. Yeah. Um, and cynical optimist is a little better because I am kind of cynical about things, but but I'm always optimistic about them in, in the end. And I think that um, for me personally, uh, it's a very difficult year. A lot of a lot of rough things happened, but I wouldn't get rid of this year. Right. Um, and I really enjoyed. There were so many things that happened in 2020 that will some of my favorite life memories huh. I think happened this past year, uh, and I really would not give them up. I think that um, we talked about this in an in episode a long time ago, but just past tragedy and stuff like that. I think the notion of God redeeming things, mm-hmm. um, the, 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 the question of um, recognizing that God is in control, that God is with us, that God uh, is uh, at work even in the midst of, Darkness is not to say that God made those things happen, but that God can make, uh, can redeem even those things. Yeah. So does God delight in the coronavirus and in people dying? No. Is that part of God's plan? That's not part of God's desire. Right. But God can, can in spite of those things and in the midst of those things, bring about new hope and new life. Right. And so it's not, it's not to say, well, God is, God made those people die so that we could learn from it. Right. No, 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 no. No, that's not it. And so to to say that 2020, to say that we need to look at 2020 and see the good stuff that came out of it is not to deny the bad stuff, but it's at the end of the day to say, what what can we let go of and what should we hold on to? No, and we can recognize the, the, the garbage fire that was a lot of 2020, but at a point we need to say, and now I say goodbye to that. Yeah. 
And then we can look at our other hand and say, and in this hand is all the good stuff that happened. And that's the stuff that I'm going to take with me. Well, I and think, when I remember 2020, I would remember those things. I think, too, you know, kind of yes to all that. And I think, you know, did God cause the, the virus or the pandemic to teach us something? No. Are we no. meant to learn something coming out of all this? Boy, I hope yeah. so. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's let me be cynical for a minute to, to counter the hope. <laughs> Uh, the optimism, but I, I am worried as we are getting closer to the end, right? Vaccines are coming out and there's light at the end of the tunnel. And I'm worried that we are not adequately asking and reflecting on some of the questions that the pandemic should have raised for us. And this is that I think that's part of the whole like 2020 was a dumpster fire. Let's cut it off and get rid yeah. of it. Like, no, no, no. Yeah, we don't on. learn from stuff if we throw it all out. Right. There, there are yeah. valuable lessons to be learned here. I mean, I think first and foremost is the, the, the kind of rugged American individualist talk that we all have. Yep. Yep. No. <laughs> you know, like we would not be as upset about shutdowns and lockdowns if we were really the rugged individualists we all seem to think we are. Um, yeah. So, like, what's that mean? What's that and, look and like for community? The, the idea of us banding together as a country. Mm-hmm. Uh, to defeat a, a common evil um, is always the narrative of America that like we are we stick together united we stand no we don't not at all not like this, this time 2020 showed that we have lost that capacity to think of others as people who we need to work with to to save the to, for the common good right uh, this is our our entitlement and individualism have have gone off the charts. Uh, fueled by a lot of uh, leadership and 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 things within our culture that that kind of push that desire for us to be right without having to grow or sacrifice, right. uh, and um, and it's also built out of the narrative that we have somehow perfected culture, that we've nailed it. So therefore, we need no longer sacrifice anything because all of those sacrifices in the past have led us to this utopia where we can just kind of resolve to be. Right. And then when anyone wants to question that, they're trying to ruin this thing that is America and take like that. The it's a, it's a really toxic narrative. And uh, I think that that narrative uh, really obviously has been around for a while, but, but got the spotlight in this past year. Yeah. Uh, and for us, especially as people who maybe want to push back against that narrative, if we're going to throw out everything that is 2020, especially with all the newness that's coming in, new administration, new years, new opportunities, new potential for vaccines, things like that, the opportunity to move on. Right. We need to not move on and move away. We need to move on with something new, and especially within the church. Oh, like, I think that that's – and then maybe that's another road that we're turning down a little bit, but that, I think that that's one of the most important things is that we as a church have really struggled – in the midst of this to know what it, it means to be a church if we can't do church stuff because we're real good at doing church stuff and for a long time church stuff has not been working right uh quotes around working for whatever whatever working means but we still don't really know what to do without that and now god gave us a year where we aren't allowed to do church stuff it's like okay if you keep saying the church isn't the building prove it let's let's <laughs> let's not have the building for a year and see what you guys can do and what we've what we've proven is that we don't really know what we can do when we don't have the church. No. We, we aren't really sure what that means. And we struggle to be a church outside of a place where you can gather once a week. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, and one of my words, I think for 2021 that you're going to hear me say a lot in the podcast and in sermons and in just life, um, I was reading a little bit in this new journal I got, cause I, you know, tw new year, new nice, journals. Nice, nice. Uh, yep. Yep. 
I'm 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 like a a razor's edge away from recommending it to people because it has some downsides. But I'm I'm starting it on a, a journal called Sacred Ordinary Days. Um, mm. That kind of it's a journal planner devotion combo thing. Who puts uh, that out? What's it from? It's their own company. Uh, okay. I can't remember the lady's name that that started it. Uh, one of the words that that she uses in rule of life thinking is is the idea of postures. Uh, and what posture you bring to something. So uh, on that idea of sacrifice, like I've been thinking a lot about the greatest generation, you know, World War II era of American history. Like they had to ration stuff. They had to straight up ration how much food they were allowed to get at the grocery store, how much sugar, how much gasoline. Um, and to the best of my knowledge, maybe historian Tyler can correct me if I'm wrong. Like no one from that era said freaking government can't impinge on my freedoms for this. No, right? not at all. Not even close. They I mean, like maybe some people did, but by and large, everyone everyone just understood. Like, yeah, this right. is how we win. The posture was we need to do it together. Yeah, yeah. The posture was this is the sacrifice that's being asked of us to get through this together. Mm-hmm. Uh, I w- desperately wish with all my bones that people would adopt the the posture of sacrifice when it comes to way easier things like wearing a mask, <laughs> staying socially distant, like just looking out for each other and. I, I'll be the first to say I hate the mask. Uh, like I, I don't. I, every time I wear oh, I love it, them. Oh. I love the masks. No, I don't. Nobody loves the mask. No one loves the mask. It messes it has, up actually, the beard. I, when it's when it's been cold, it has been a little nicer. Like the last the last fair. couple of months, there have been times where I thought it's actually pretty nice to have a mask on. <laughs> now I'm always happy to take it off, but yeah. being outside, like talking with people, it's not as bad. And I think it, it sucks in the summer. I think you know somebody pointed out on Facebook or, or social media somewhere. You know, like every year I pull out my coat from the closet and and mm-hmm. reach in the pocket and find like a crumpled up uh, newspaper article or a, or a cough drop or something from the last year that I forgot was in there. Next year, I think a whole lot of us are going to reach into an old coat and find a mask and go, "Oh, remember when those were a thing?" Right, like. It's on the way out, and I appreciate that. I'm excited about that. But I'm worried, again, about what what have we learned? What did we pay attention to? If we chuck the baby out with the bathwater, like, what difference does turning the calendar over if we didn't actually learn anything? Yeah. I still I think that we may just now be a culture like a lot of the Asian countries where people just wear masks all the time. I think that we are – we'll get to a point that not everybody needs to wear masks, but I think that – the days of not seeing people wear masks in public are gone. Yeah. I think that, that from now on there will, you will always see like 15% of the people wearing a mask. Even, even when we get past the point where it's necessary for everyone to be wearing masks anymore, I think that people will continue to wear masks. There will be some, yeah. That's just kind of yeah. hang on to it. The other side of that while I'm going on, and this is, this is kind of a tricky spot, particularly, you know, some people like you, I know there are people that for whom 2020 was miserable um, or at least challenging. I had a really good 2020. <laughs> like, prefer, prefer, personally, professionally, like all around, it was a pretty good year. Uh, I really wish I could go to a movie theater, but short of that, like it was a pretty good year. So like, I also carry when people are like, let's just get rid of 2020 and chuck it. I get this like survivor's guilt of, oh wait, I actually had a pretty good year. Am I supposed to chuck that too? Am I supposed to negate? the good stuff should i you know just cover myself in sackcloth and ashes anyway because that's what mm-hmm. everybody else is doing i don't know mm-hmm. like you know it kind of put and i i can't believe i'm the only one that had a good 2020 uh i had when you, it's personally kind of one of the roughest years i've had but i still i look back on 2020 fondly i i think that um 
I, uh, we were talking before we started recording about how I personally, and I maybe have said this on the podcast before I, I, I have a, uh, and I don't know if this is healthy or not. It's felt healthy so far. I have a threshold for how upset I can get about something. And then once I hit that threshold, I just, I realize like it doesn't really do me any good to be angry or sad about this anymore. Like right. it's not going to change anything. And so then I do my best to try to let it go. And so I think that um, as I have continued, especially the last month, my, my life has been like a country song. Which is the worst, especially if you know me, because I hate country music. But, like, but just like everything is falling apart. And like even this morning, I went out to, I had moved my car. Uh, I had to have a plumber come to my house because my basement's flooding. And then, so I moved my car out of out of the driveway. And then I went out this morning to move my car back and my car won't start. And uh, so that was like the final straw. But like there's nothing that I can, do. I can be upset about that. That doesn't fix my car. And right. so there's, uh, I think that with all of the things that have happened kind of personally and then on a global scale and on a, on a national scale, I think it should, it should move you to action and to try to fix it. But there's a point at which, uh, if you're not, if, if the emotions don't move you to action, they are futile. Hmm. And there's a point at which you, you can be moved to action, but then there's nothing more you can do. And so then there's a point where you kind of just need to accept it. Um, and not accept that it will never change, but just accept that it is and do what you can to to move to fix it or if you can't fix it to uh, adjust accordingly Um, and that sounds easier Uh, it's not it's not it's not just a simple like oh well like it's it's like telling someone to feel better like oh stop being so sad like that oh oh, okay okay, i never thought about that like that (laughs) Um, never consider yeah i'm not saying that i'm not saying just oh just get over it but i am saying that there at least for me there's been a point at which i realized um I think it's it's incredibly important to to recognize your emotions and to to allow yourself to have emotions, to be upset, to be happy, to be sad, to be mad, uh, but not to let those emotions control you. Uh, you can't uh, you you can't control your emotions, but you can control how you respond to them. Right. Or at least you can you can dictate how you respond to them. You can't always control it, and so trying to to be intentional about how am I so I'm upset about this so what am I going to do about it I'm upset about this this thing that I saw in the news what I'm going to do about it am I going to get angry and go online and rant about something am I going to let it ruin my day and eat a bunch of ice cream am I going to just avoid it and go like watch some movies or play some video games or am I going to see what I can do to either help people understand that this is a problem or to actually like be an active impact on this problem myself. And, yeah. um, or at least in terms of the trying to fix it. And it's not always that simple. And the frustrating thing about this year is that it showed that most problems aren't things that it's like, Oh, we just need to fix it. Like, right. it's not like, uh, racism didn't go away by us all admitting that black lives matter. Like that does the, the beautiful thing about mid 2020 is that kind of culturally we all just accepted. Oh yeah, I guess black lives do matter. Like it became a very accepted thing to right. see like, and even like Folgers coffee was saying, just so you know, black lives matter. Like all the, all these weird, we get the weirdest ads from like companies <laughs> saying, we want you to know we, we, that we Hil- want, Hilton hotels think the black lives matter. We want in on this and, cultural moment. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, Pampers diapers wants you to know that Black Lives Matter. Like it, it doesn't. 
Uh, and that was helpful, but that that alone was not enough. No. We can't just, it's one thing to acknowledge that there's a problem, but acknowledging that there's a problem doesn't fix the problem. And I think that that's, that's the, a good first step, but we need to then move to that second step. And especially personally, yeah. um, understanding that, yeah, this sucks is one big thing. Like my car doesn't start. That sucks. I can't do anything about it. So I've accepted that. I still need to fix my car. I right. still need to get someone out. So the, the step that I have not yet taken is either finding someone who can help me or calling AAA and then taking my car to get it's, I think it's just the battery needs changed. I hope, uh, but that those are the actions that need to happen, but I'm no longer upset about it, but me not being upset about it doesn't change the fact, doesn't fix my car like that. And I think that in terms of our global situation and our, our kind of cultural collective situation as a community, we have gotten to the point of accepting that our car isn't starting. And just being like, well, okay, I guess it's not starting, but we now need to do something to fix right. it. Or half of us are saying, you know what? My car still works. I can still do what I like. I, I got to go sit in my car and listen to radio like that. Uh, it's and, fine. Uh, it's fine. Like yeah, this. The, the denial of of us of us needing to of the car being broken was a thing we needed to get over. But now we need to actually work to. So how can we fix it? How can we change that? Or maybe I don't even need a car. Like maybe we move beyond that. I do, I do need a car, but Why is like it, hey, in terms of the metaphor. People can bike to work. You know, it's fine. And people can't. I can't. Not not living where I do. But uh, no, I, I think you know if I've if if there is a lesson, uh, there's there's many lessons. But I think one of them coming out of 2020 is that anger is not enough. Um, oh yeah, no, no. And I, and that's you know there are people that do this is confession more than critique. Um, there are people that kind of back away from the news uh, because it's depressing or because I can't stand it, you know, the, and they kind of bury their head in the sand. And a, a couple of weeks ago, a couple of months ago, I think, I realized that I needed to pull back from the news because I was getting, not because it was depressing or I didn't like it, because it was doing something in me that I needed to and could change in terms of I'm just stuck in an anger spiral. You know, yeah. it's feeding angers, but I'm not doing anything about them. Um, well, and, and anger to me is it's like a uh, uh, it's it's a catalyst for something. Yeah. Like it's one of those emotions. Most of our emotions are catalysts for action, right. whether it's sadness or happiness, like laughter or, or anger. The anger is different than hate, but oftentimes we use them interchangeably. And just being angry will then make us mad at things and usually anger should make you want to change something either change something in yourself or change something in the world around you and and what we have often yielded to is just anger making us complain right and that doesn't fix anything right. and, and that i i, I can't your the spiral that you found yourself in i think is a very typical spiral that most of us find ourselves in because especially because we've we've had a culture that tells us that getting angry is enough right like, you don't have to do it. You just need to be angry about it. Like, yeah. you don't have to actually do anything. You I, just need fired, to be angry about it. I fired off a couple angry tweets. I'm set, right? I'm good. Yep, yep. Like, no. I let people know that I'm outraged. It didn't change a blessed thing. Uh, and, 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 you know. And I, I think kind of related that, I'm going to be very, very careful how I say what I say. Protests are fine as a first step. Oh, Yeah. And and that's you know I I would lump I would, I would say this bipartisanly because uh, there have been yeah. protests for every conceivable thing under the sun this last year. Protests are fine as a first step, but it needs to be met with action of some measurable level. Uh, yeah, 
those who are upset by racial inequality in this country, fantastic. You should be mad about that. The mm-hmm. next step needs to be how do we start chipping away at addressing it? Um, yeah. And I think I think there have been far too many people that are just content enough to protest and not do any of the action. Um, yeah. Same thing on the right. You know, the, the tea parties or whatever. People are protesting a whole lot, but not really making any substantive changes to what they're upset about. Um, well, and in general, I think that the easier it is for you to solve something, the less effective your solution actually was. <laughs> yeah, um, right. Like that. Like, and, and I would kind of throw cancel culture into that. Mm. I think. I mean, that's that's a, a weighty topic that people get really mad about if you criticize it. But yeah. it's real easy to just be like, I don't like J.K. Rowling anymore. Like that. Uh, I mean, maybe there's really good reason for it, and I, I think that there. Yes, we should have a substantive conversation about why uh, J.K. Rowling. the things that she has been saying have been harmful to people. But let's have that conversation rather than just saying like, I'm never reading those books again, or I'm never doing that like that. I think there are certain things in which like, can we exist in a world? Can we just ignore everything Bill Cosby did? Uh, Like culturally, not all the crimes that he did. Like, can can we just move on from Bill Cosby? Maybe. Um, Is that helpful? in the best possible way maybe maybe not maybe maybe there's some good things that we can take from the cosby show but maybe the pain that's caused by bill cosby is bigger than those things so there are certain situations like yes let's cancel hitler like, like let's cancel some some actual terrible things right but uh, we've gotten it's been real easy and every day you'll see a new person on twitter where it's like uh so and so is over party and that idea like we're we're canceling harry styles because he did blah 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 and that's not really helpful. It's just basically saying, like, I am, I have declared that I'm upset with this person and I'm just done with them. And that's not really healthy. It's not healthy in our regular lives and it's not healthy as a culture. Yeah. And I think that that's how we, that's how we have moved, in, especially in our political rhetoric, is that, oh, these people voted for this guy. Okay, I'm done with them. I'm not talking to my uncle anymore because he's blah. And that's the less we are willing to listen to each other the less chance we have of us actually finding common ground and moving forward together. Yeah. And there are certain people that it's, that we can move forward without you, <laughs> um, but very few, like it, it's not, it's not big parts of the population. Like we as a, as a whole need to figure out a way to move forward together. And there may be some people who are actively resistant. Every once in a while you're going to get an Adolf Hitler that we should all just move away from, but they are very, very few and far between. They're not, they're not as many. You shouldn't be a new one every day on Twitter. Right. And that's I think that's back to kind of what we were talking about with 2020. You know, J.K. Rowling is an, as an instance to just take what she said and say, we're not going to read any more of her. We're going to cancel. Like, don't pay attention to her. Whatever. Totally eliminates the conversation around the issue that you actually wanted to talk about. Yeah. Uh, because yeah. because you just in essence said, I don't actually want to talk about what she get in trouble for transgender rights, I think. Um, for yeah, uh, she a, a turf a, uh, 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 what is it? I can't remember what the word is. It's about being a feminist, but not, uh, but against transgenderism. But see, uh, even that, really, I mean, it, it's kind of some toxic stuff in there. So it's not to de- belittle it, but it is right. to just say, therefore, we're done. But even doesn't that, really help anything. Look at that, you know, me, uh, borderline cultural aficionado, right? I could tell you that she was in trouble. I couldn't tell you what for. Yeah. And that's because that's because we short circuited the conversation. 
right? Yeah. We just said, okay, cancel her. That's it. End of story. Let's not discuss it. And the other thing, I mean, to, to, to put it in terms of the 2020 thing, like to say, therefore, I'm going to throw out or burn all my Harry Potter books. One burning books is never, if you ever burning a book, you really need to question what you're doing with your life. Yeah, especially if it's uh, Fahrenheit 451, like don't burn that yeah. book. Uh, the, uh, but those books have nothing to do with this issue. Like no. just because you're, I mean, and th- maybe that gets to the Cosby show thing that there's a point at which we do need to have a conversation about whether it's healthy and helpful to continue to use the art of a flawed artist. But if the art itself does not actively contain the flaws and the hurt that that artist may have perpetrated, then we are actually kind of throwing out part of ourselves. So for all the people who are willing to get rid of Harry Potter, Harry Potter's meant a lot for a lot of people. And to say all of that is invalidated because you have disagreements with the artist who has created this art, but not the art itself. That's not fair. It's like, again, it's saying the whole of 2020 was worthless, so let's just throw the whole thing out. No, it wasn't. A lot of it was really bad, but there's a lot of things that, one of the things that came out of this, my dog died um, two weeks ago. Uh, He was an older dog, but he was a great dog, and we had him for for 12 years. And uh, he had been a little sick for uh, a few months, and then got real sick all of a sudden for like the last week. And then uh, we had to, to put him down and it was very, very sad. And it really, uh, losing a pet is really hard because it kind of, repre- especially as you become an adult, you realize it, it represents this section of time and 12, the last 12 years of my life, uh, it, it encompasses all of our kids and like they have never lived without this dog in their life and that, that things like that. And, um, it was very, very sad. Uh, but one of the things that we realized is that because of the pandemic, we were around the dog in this past year more than we ever have been. And he almost every day had people around him all the time. Mm-hmm. Whereas his normal life, he would have probably six hours a day where no one was around. And so he was, he was by himself and he loved being around people. So for him, this last year was fantastic. And we took way more walks. We, we, were, we were present with the dog in ways that we haven't been, especially since before we had kids. And so, was that worth a global pandemic? No. Uh, but was it was it a positive that came out of this? Absolutely. Right. And, and if we don't recognize that there can be good things in the midst of these bad things, then then we're missing out on our life. And if, if we throw out all of Harry Potter because of um, some legitimately problematic things that the artist has has come forth with, um, it, it now maybe you do need to get, maybe for you personally you need to move on to from this maybe you can't watch the cosby show anymore maybe maybe something like that but uh it's the more we are the more we throw the baby out with the bath water the less we have to hold on to yeah. and the, the less we allow life to be nuanced and, and and difficult which it is uh life is not good and bad life is a mix of everything and what we need to do it in very much how uh, um there's this image of Jesus uh, where he says his, his winnowing fork is in his hand and he separates the wheat from the chaff. And this all sounds really, really like uh, apocalyptic and like scary. But really what it is is what a farmer does is a farmer who harvests wheat. They just harvest it into a big pile. They take a pitchfork. They scoop up the wheat and they shake it and they shake out the wheat and the chaff, which is the leftover stock that the wheat fell off of. They just throw in a big pile and they throw that out. 
And life is that where we need to take the full stock of wheat, shake out the good stuff that we can hold on to and get rid of the stuff we don't need. And he says, and that's thrown in the fire, which again, sounds apocalyptic, but it's just this image, this agrarian image of a farmer shaking out the stuff that you need and get rid of getting rid of the stuff you you don't the chaff itself is not bad it's just unnecessary we don't need to hold on to it so let's get rid of that let's hold on to the stuff that's good and that's how we move forward to be productive and and sometimes we need to we may have thought like all of harry potter is good oh maybe it's not maybe let's shake out the good stuff right and let's maybe get rid of some of that maybe i don't need to worship jk rowling as much as I thought I did. Right. Uh, maybe Because uh, there's a lot of authors that I love, uh, a lot of books that I love that are by authors who are really kind of terrible people. Uh, and you have to kind of separate those two. And, and sometimes you can separate it in a way that, that can be problematic if the art itself reflects some of those, those, um, those issues that the artist has. But if it doesn't, then it's, yeah, I can like Ender's Game without recognizing that Orson Scott Card is terrible person right. I, and i can recognize those two things but i can separate the art from the artist which incidentally i mean to bring like in that. another uh, another parable right jesus tells a story of wheat and weeds that that are growing up together yeah. yep and and the farmer notices it while it's happening right and says well should we just burn it all down and the farmer's like no let them both grow up together and then we'll sort it out later that's life and that's always been life that you know much of life is wheat much of life is really good stuff Uh, but there's some bad in there too and that's not just on a cultural and global level like but on an individual level like you know jk rowling said some stupid stuff i got bad news for you i say stupid stuff all the time (laughs) like that that and i feel bad about it and there's repentance and there's there's trying to correct um but cancel culture allows for none of that um Uh, uh, and to be to be fair, in the J.K. Rowling thing, she did kind of double down on the bad stuff right. that she said, which is that's a little more hard. And so, again, not to we're not going to totally litigate the whole J.K. Rowling no. thing right now. But but knowing, I, 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 it is important for us to recognize it's not just she said something dumb and then moved on from it. She said something dumb and then kept on saying that, right. <laughs> like saying, "Well, here's why that was right." No, actually, here's why that was it's like, "All right, J.K. Rowling, just move away from it." And now I think it's it's fair to say, "Okay, maybe we just move away from J.K. Rowling." Right. But we don't have to throw out. All the bad stuff, right? And, but, and also in the in those in those parables, uh, the wheat and the chaff, and the and the weeds and the and the and the grain. Uh, oftentimes, when our desire for things to be binary, good and bad, we say that that Jesus is separating the good people from the bad people. But that's no, not what those are no, saying. Not at all. That's saying Jesus is separating the good stuff in these people from the stuff that's unnecessary. Right, and so when you're separating the wheat and the chaff, it's the wheat and the chaff in you. Yeah, it's not the wheat. You are wheat, and and goats from sheep. It's not like good people and bad people. It's like let's take the good stuff of you, and then the bad stuff of you can go over there. We don't need the bad stuff of you, but we do need the good stuff of you. And Jesus will help you to, to take out the things that are worth holding on to, and to let go of the things that are worth letting go of. Yeah. And I think that's where, you know, again, I'm coming back to my, my buzzword of 2021 of postures. Um, my last post of 2020 was, what are we thankful for? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think vital in this conversation is to have a posture of gratitude uh, towards the things that are, are worth being grateful for. Um, and if you can't find something in 2020 that you were grateful for, you're not trying hard enough. 
um, there, there, there are things to be celebrated and things to be grateful for. And to be sure, people have had miserable 2020s. Mm-hmm. Um, but even some of the people I know that have been hit hardest by this pandemic, by this year, just had kind of a miserable year. They're still pretty grateful people for some of the stuff that's gone on in their lives, right? So, like, I think that's part of it. And I think it's also a piece of humility uh, to carry around with you when you're talking about cancel culture and who's terrible and who's not. Like, we all are. I, I think the trick is to be able to hold those two postures at the same time. To be to be grateful for the wheat that you have in your life and to be humble about the chaff. Uh, you know, like, there's a movement around in certain people that, like, admitting America's flaws is un-American. Like, no, no, it's not. <laughs> that, that's That's actually okay. Uh, I can both at the same time say this is a great nation and that we've done some horrible crap in our history together. Yeah. And acknowledging that can make us better. Right. Like if by acknowledging our own flaws, we then uh, will be able to see that we have more we can do. Because if we don't acknowledge our flaws, then we presuppose that we have no flaws and therefore we should do all that we can to maintain the current status quo. And that's when bad things happen. I was looking at my, so I looked at my Twitter account for the first tweet of 2020 and the last tweet of 2020. My first tweet of 2020 was uh, uh, about an article from the Washington Post about the Pope smacking that lady's hand. Oh, yeah. Do you remember that? I do remember that. So the Pope, Pope Francis, was like walking, shaking hands with people. And this happened in, in January. But it happened around Christmas of, of 2019. Uh, and... Uh, he was shaking hands with somebody and then this lady like grabbed his hand and pulled him towards her and she's like praying and stuff like that but like wouldn't let him go and then he smacks her hand and and, and then like moves away with like a grumpy face on and the whole story is about how the Pope apologized to this lady and you watch the video like he reacts the way any human would react right. the way that this lady kind of violently pulls his hand and she won't let go and his smack is not a violent like I'm trying to hurt you. It's like, give me my hand back. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Right. It's, it's that. Wholly appropriate. But the whole article is about how the Pope uh, is a human and um, <laughs> is apologizing to this woman. Right. Who was, the woman was in the wrong. Yeah. Um, but the Pope is still saying, like, I shouldn't have done that. Like that. And I'm sorry that I, in the midst of that situation, I should have treated you differently. Uh, and that that is such a great the Pope recognizing the wheat and the chaff within himself, which I mean, this Pope's great. So yeah. he's able to do that a lot. Um, my last tweet of 2020 is my perpetual year tweet. It's the joke that I always post that I always think is hilarious. Uh, <laughs> but it was even more fitting this year is that. So my very last tweet of 2020 is R.I.P. 2020. And then I have the years. <laughs> 2020 to 2020. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like a tombstone. Uh, and I always, th- I do that every year cause I always think it's hilarious. Uh, but this year, uh, I almost didn't do it cause there was part of me was like, you know what? Don't RIP 2020 B I H 2020. Uh, and, uh, and yet I do think like, let's put this year to bed. Let's let this year be what it is. And let's, let's have peace about what 2020 was. Uh, and knowing that it, that it only lasted for this year was, was one thing. But again, I mean, getting back to the beginning, uh, they because the year ending doesn't mean the issues that th- that we've had to deal with are ending. 
like, yes, things will change and things will move forward, but it's not like everything gets wiped away. Right. We we want a clean slate, and we're never given a clean slate. Well, that's at, at January first. We're given a clean calendar, and that's it. Even even under the best of circumstances, right? This year, moving from a very large church to a very small church, you and I have talked about like ch- making change in a small church is like doing a U-turn in a sports car, versus a big church is like doing a U-turn in an eighteen-wheeler. I don't know what change on a countrywide level looks like, but it's a slow turn. Like, it's not a magic switch like, hey, now we have a vaccine. Hooray. Like, there's some work to be done. Um, I I went back. I was scrolling. My first tweet in 2020 I, I am so proud of uh, and just shows how much more whimsical I was back then. Uh, it's It reads, so far in 2020, I have had two, parentheses, two naps. I ran the numbers, and this means I'm on pace to have 7,300 naps this decade. Uh, so, you know. did you did you maintain that? I can't imagine I did. That I was, was gonna. I was hoping that the the pandemic, the quarantine, actually upped your nap game. But I, I've not been much of. It didn't. I've not been much of a napper during quarantine. I've been I've been I've been a, a father, <laughs> which is great, lovely. Oh yeah. Yeah. And the, the, I mean, the time that you've gotten with your boys is way more than what you would have gotten otherwise. Yes. And that's we. It doesn't help us to pretend like that's all sunshine and lollipops. Like it's exhausting, and it's right. okay to get tired out of being a parent. But the the that the tired part of it should be in, and can be temporary if we allow ourselves to let go of that and to hold on to the wheat, yeah. the good stuff in. Uh, the memories that we're making. But if we are just tired all the time, then you go into every day being like, oh no, I'm another day with these kids. Like, like what am I going to do? Like that's, uh, we, we can choose to hold on to the, to the chaff mm-hmm. and boy, that makes life miserable. Yeah. Well, that's, yeah. I mean, like, I, yes, it's exhausting to be the father of twins and to be home with twins for, you know, long days. But that's done two things to me. Number one, it's made me appreciate my wife, who stays hoping with them way more than I do. Uh, I appreciate her a lot because uh, if I if I get this tired for just you know a couple days, she's she's putting in the work. But the other thing is, I keep looking back. You know, in a lot of ways, Sarah and I have talked about how blessed we are that the boys are the age they are during this pandemic. Um, they're they they would have done preschool. We've been doing homeschool preschool because you know we feel like educationally we can handle that. Um, better than doing algebra, but we don't have to worry about school, right? Like we, that's not something we're concerned about. And socializing is not. I mean, that, that one of the bigger things that I thought in this midst of this is how hard it would be to have a sing, have a, an only child. Right, It'd be really tough. So hard. Uh, I mean, not yeah, because for the kid, right? Like yes, for the parent, but also for the kid because they got no one to play with. Like the fact that my kids and and your boys especially like developmentally are at the same spot. Like they always have a friend to play with. Right. And yeah, that means it's a little more overwhelming at times, but. It means that there's times where you could say, all right, boys, why don't you go play in your room, go play this thing together. And it may only buy you like 10 minutes, but it means that they have someone else that they can play with. You can get a break and get yourself some coffee um, and that they're getting social interaction may just be with siblings, but another person on their level they can interact with, which is pretty great. And I mean, boredom boredom has been a very short supply in our household during this pandemic, again, because they have each other. Uh, but I also kind of live, especially as we're start, again starting to get toward the end of this thing, I've lived with this awareness that there's going to come a day when they're like in college and I'm going to look back at this with fondness. Yeah. Um, and they don't know any better. No. Like that's it for, 
I think that there's a lot to lament and legitimately be concerned about for young people in the midst of this, but mm -hmm. also young people are resilient. Like, I think that it's not all terrible. Just because their experience is different than ours was growing up, so was ours from our parents. Like, so what, like everything post Columbine was very right. different. Everything post 9-11 was very different. Like, and we can, and, and boy, and in, in ways that are not better. And right. I remember people talking about how toxic it was for high school kids to go to school with uh, metal detectors there. And yeah, that would have been really hard had you never gone to school. Like I, I'd never went to school with a metal detector because I graduated before Columbine. Right. Uh, but people who graduated just a couple years after me, was metal detectors were part of their high school. Yeah. And, and, and the idea that there may, that, that you have to prepare for someone coming in and maybe shooting the school, shooting up the school was a reality. That was not a, a known commodity when I was a kid. Like it was not something we prepared for, so I didn't think about it. But people have adjusted to that. Uh, it doesn't mean it's better, but it also means that 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 we're resilient beings. We right. we can adjust and we can still thrive even in the midst of new challenges. Yeah, I had a I had an awakening moment around that a couple of years ago. I was driving to church, uh, and the high school right that we served uh, that was right next to our church was doing an active shooter drill. Um, mm. So they had all the kids like filing out of the school and duck and cover their way into safe, safe areas. And it hit me super hard. Like I driving by like, Oh my gosh, we live in a world where this is how they have to live and respond and how terrible for these kids. And we got to youth group that night and I was like, guys, what was like, how y'all doing? Like, what was, are you everybody okay? And the kids were like, yeah, it's like a fire drill. Like it's, yeah. it's just life now. Like that's, yeah. The, we had tornado drills when I was a kid growing up in Iowa. Yeah, because man. There, there's tornadoes. And, and it did you duck like, under it, like, the desk? No, we had to go. Uh, we went in the hallway because you have to get away from windows. Our our school had us stuck under the desk, and even at like second grade, I was like, I don't think this is the kind of protection that it, you're hyping it up to be. Like, uh, yeah. yeah, for a tornado drill, did you have tornado drills? I can't remember if it was saying? tornado or if it was like I don't know. Bomb, we had tornado drills. drills all the, we had yeah, we had tornado drills. We had fire drills and tornado drills. Fire drills, you left the building. A tornado drill, you went into the hallway and you took a textbook with you and held it over your head, and so. <laughs> And That's so even less protection book. than the desk. But then, but then, yeah. But you're away from the window, so everybody's yeah, in the hall. Right. You huddle against the wall, like then sit down, uh, crisscross applesauce, and put your book over your head. Yeah. And that way, like if something, if like glass is flying around, like it's not going to hit you in the head. It'll just hit you in the hands <laughs> that are holding yeah. your book. Uh, but but it was actually just kind of fun, like because we were little kids. We don't the whole danger of like wh like what if a tornado comes? We're just like I don't know. This is just a thing we're doing, and and now we have less math class. Like yeah, right. Isn't that delightful? Yeah, <laughs> just That's any great. kind of thing that just that ruined the schedule was wonderful. Uh, Let me back you up kid. from that though a second. Did you you lived yeah. in Iowa? Yep, was, I did. Yeah, okay. Just For right. eight years, eight, <laughs> eight of them, eight, eight of them. <laughs> uh, but but so I mean. The, to to bring it on back to to where we were like this whole i think every time we we turn the year and this year more than ever we want to set the reset button mm -hmm. and act like we're getting a clean slate and uh on some levels mentally maybe it's a, it's a time for starting over but that we when we when we pretend as though everything is fresh we not only are putting ourselves in a disadvantage because it isn't uh, we also inherently are getting rid of a lot of stuff that we should hold. We should hold on to, and part of the beauty of life is taking 
the good and the bad and being able to, within our own mind, try to find the good in every day. Try to find that uh, when scripture says, this is the day that the Lord has made, let us rejoice and be glad in it. Um, this, this idea that every day is a gift. And that doesn't mean that every day is good. But that means that every day there is good within every day. And sometimes the bad is worse than the good. And it doesn't mean you have to, at the end, say, thank you, God, for this day where all this terrible stuff happened. Um, but that when you get a little bit of distance from that day, you can at the very least realize uh, I got through. Yeah. Um, one of the, the biggest things, and I know I talked about this in the podcast several times, but it, it brings me back to that, to the movie um, Dunkirk, mm-hmm. uh, which is just, I mean, it's increasingly becoming one of my favorite movies, like even more so. Like, it ages really well with me. And the, the whole point of that movie is surviving. And uh, that at the end, that they win, they, they, they win by surviving. Like they've lost the battle. And, uh, and, and it's, I mean, it's not, again, not a spoiler because it's history, but the, the whole point of it is just for them to get away. It's a retreat. The whole movie is a retreat. And they're constantly in threat. It's the, the British have lost this battle at Dunkirk um, in France. And they're trying to get away from the, the Nazis who are coming to, to kill the rest of the guys who are just waiting on the beach to get a, a, a boat to get, take them across the channel. And every time a big boat comes, the Nazi bombers will just fly over and blow it up. And uh, the whole movie is, is looking at various people who are trying to survive. And at the end, when there are certain characters do get back to Britain, they are greeted not as people who've lost a battle, but as people who have won uh, simply by surviving. And I think for all of us, 2020, we need to to not feel like we won the war (laughs) right? because we got through it. Like we're not we need to not throw a ticket to parade because hooray, 2020 is over. But we need to know that we we are still here and we're still standing. And I mean, it kind of has, it's that cynical optimist coming in that, yeah, everything may suck, but we're, we're, it'll, we can get through this. And there's a point at which we need to recognize that, that we're, God has still given us more days. Mm -hmm. And what can we, can we use those days to lament all that has disappeared? Or can we use those days to build something new with this pile of Legos that we have in front of us? Hey. Hashtag Falcon Watch 2021. Hashtag what? Falcon Watch? Falcon oh, Falcon Watch. Watch. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, the, the the new Disney Plus movie that the Falcon and the, <laughs> and the Winter Soldier? Is that what yeah. you're talking about? Yeah. Falcon Watch. As, yeah. that, and I, the irony behind that is that my, that little speech I just gave, uh, it's now uh, half time's over. Yeah. Time to get back in the game, time everybody. Get, get out there. Get out there, folks. That's the song. That's, that's great. That's lovely. Oh, man. Anything to plug? Oh, so much to plug. I've been watching Night Court nonstop. <laughs> I highly recommend the show Night Court. <laughs> Excellent. I, it, it is a not great TV show <laughs> from, uh, from 1984 to 1992. And I have, uh, for some reason, decided to... It was on iTunes. I just, in a fit of, uh, I don't know, self-therapy... I bought myself the complete set of because of, it's not streaming on anything. No, like it's you can't see. Why it, would is, it? Because it's a good show. It's fine. <laughs> it's 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 a fine show, but it, it it completely exists in this way that like 
sitcoms from the 80s and early 90s where it was every show is staged like a like a like a, a theater show like all of this everyone very deliberately just has their one and like a farcical like a theater like a middle school comedy uh, that you would perform in middle school theater where uh, there's just comic relief like there's random characters who just like come on stage and deliver their one line and then walk back and everything is set up and it's everyone is very positioned in old sitcom style where they're on a stage literally facing people the the laugh tracks are really goofy and every everything the drama is really over dramatic the comedy is really cheesy but it's just so wonderful and i love the theme song the theme song is so great that i think that it's just i get delighted to watch the theme song so for for whatever reason i just without really trying i started going back i i mean i watched it when i was a kid so i don't i have only basic awareness of the show but i i'm now up to season three there's nine seasons and i've watched i'm just watching it full on through and boy, it's been a delight. Like, so, and, and it's the nice, it's inconsequential enough that I don't like, I, cause I still haven't gone through the West Wing, but the West Wing, you have to sit and watch night flight, night court. You can just put on, just do stuff. And if I don't know what's going on, that's okay. Cause none of these, pl- eventually they're just going to figure it out in the end. And then the theme song is going to play. And then it's time for the next one. Like that. There, there was an episode of one of my favorite shows, Futurama, uh, which the, the premise of which is a guy gets frozen and he winds up a thousand years in the future. There's yep. one episode where he wins the lottery or something like that, and he has just a ton of money, and so he buys uh, his old life. He gets an old apartment in New York. He buys like mm-hmm. Pepperidge Farm stuff. Between Night Court and the Quantum Leap calendar and the Hartford <laughs> Whalers cap you're wearing right now, buddy, I'm a little concerned that you have just relocated your your essence into the 90s i i am de- i'm definitely middle school tyler right now although uh, the hartford whalers were never a, a thing i just i le- really like their logo it really uses negative space i i so can look up hartford lo- hartford whalers logo i i again as i said at the beginning i have no real interest in hockey i i, I have a fleet I have, a, I have an interest to be interested in hockey and i still encourage those in my life who love hockey to to keep keep pulling me along i, I contend s- as somebody who is into hockey and a diehard Penguins fan, I will contend the Hartford Whalers have the best logo and jersey scheme that has ever it's come one, across. It's one hockey. of the best logos in any uh, in any sport. Which but again, look at it because the negative space, the negative space forms the H. There is no H in this logo. Right. There is a W. There is a, a whale tail, and then in the middle of that is an H, which is it's beautiful. Mind so I, I bought a yeah, I got myself a Hartford Whalers hat. Because apparently it. I only wear hats of uh, extinct sports teams. It's true. You had a, it's a, this the Expos at my Expos for a little while. Yeah. yeah well, for a little. That's been my, uh, if I had an action figure made of me, it would be wearing an Expos hat. That's what I've worn <laughs> for like the last five years. Uh, do you, anything to plug for you? Uh, 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 not plug. Uh, if you haven't seen it yet, we all know how Jay feels about um, superhero movies. I cannot overstate how big a disappointment Wonder Woman 84 is. Oh, I really liked it. Really? I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah. Uh, they, I mean, I understand. I understand there's a lot of problems with it, but I, it's a big dumb fun movie. Like I, I just had a lot of big dumb fun with that movie. Well, you're essentially living in the '80s anyway, so it's like yeah, yeah that's, that's got to be good for you. But oh, I thought. I mean, the whole first half. You could take the whole first half hour out of it. Yeah. It was. It was there's a lot of pointlessness in that movie. I, if I'd seen that in a the theater, it'd be a bigger, bigger drag than it was to watch it. 
Because I was watching, it was like, okay, when's this gonna be over? But then I, I liked it. I like Gal Gadot. I think she's, she she's did great. She did wonderfully. I, I think that the fact that Cheetah, who is one of the best villains in the DC universe, yeah, I didn't know much about Cheetah. Essentially, got I came in a pretty blind. Into, she ca- essentially got turned into a jealous middle schooler. Yeah, and that yeah. was the whole reason she turned evil. And that that. Uh, I think my my thing about it was that all of the stuff was kind of big and stupid, but it was big and stupid in a comic book way. Yeah, I think that from a movie it seems kind of dumb. Like when she when, and people are like, "Oh well, Wonder Woman wants to give up her thing for a man." No, she wants to, she wants love. Right. Like that's and that's a theme that is pretty big in comic books. And and the idea of the villain wants respect and power that's pretty big in comic books too. Like if this were all in a whole. Max Lord thing doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense, but it doesn't make any sense if they put it in a comic book either. Like a lot of this was big and stupid comic book style. From a movie standpoint, it doesn't really help. It's not a great movie, but I didn't expect going to see a great movie. I just expected not to see Justice League. The first one was so good. The first Wonder Woman was first one's great. Good. First one was too good. I mean, it it set our set the bar a little too. There was no way the new one was going to be able to. But I will say, I thought this. I thought it was fine. And I think you'd be on board with this. I, I, this. There needs to be a whole episode about what I'm about to plug. The Pixar movie, Soul. Yeah. That'll be our um, next episode. Our next I'm teasing it right now. Next episode is The Theology of Soul. Well, I need to get back to work because we'll I have it. watched it. I would like to watch it at least 10 more times to try yep. and pick up on everything that I immediately that's going bought. On that there, movie. Are, there are two separate soundtracks. Freaking John Baptiste. I love yeah, that. And guy. I bought so there there's a full album, a full full vinyl album of that, which I got the second it was over. <laughs> and a full vinyl album of Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross. Uh, their their soundtrack to it, which is nine inch nails. Like this <laughs> the crazy thing is that you get classic jazz, bop jazz, which I love. Like it was it was right up Tyler in nineteen ninety three. Like this is thirteen year old Tyler's best thing is Nine Inch Nails and jazz music. <laughs> Sign me up, yeah, for I'm this in. and cartoons, yeah. Uh, which, oh, by the way, Atticus Ross and uh, Trent Reznor did the Social Network. So hi, Jimmy. Mm-hmm. Uh, great, mm-hmm. great to see you again. But yeah, yeah, it's a great film. I also, yeah, it's it's great. We'll talk about that next time. Uh, I also saw Mank, which was fine. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's the new uh, David Fincher movie. It's it's about uh, Herman Mankiewicz, who uh, was the author, uh, the screenwriter for Citizen Kane, and it's mm-hmm. a, it's fine. Uh, it's not it's not great. It's uh, it's pretty low ranking for a Fincher movie, but that's it still means it's a good movie because Finch, all Fincher's movies are good. But it's it's fine. Uh, I will also at some point an episode about the theology of the Mandalorian because the end of season two. Yes, was yes, yes, yes. Spectacular. Okay, so that's that's what we got coming up. So we'll stop talking about it right now. So we have more to talk about. Uh, hey, if you're on the Twitter machine or the uh, the Instagram, uh, here's a question for you: For what are you most grateful in 2020? Uh, what yes. what are you most grateful for in that dumpster fire of a year? Uh, and if you have a prediction, uh, like the year of the pep talk and the year of the pile of Legos, yeah. what would you? What's your prediction for 2021? And also, you know, the, I'm giving you three three prompts now. This is your third. How long will it take Tyler to construct the Lego Millennium Falcon? Uh, Ooh, yeah. At what, yeah. Name when, your date. Tell me a date that you think Tyler will complete construction like on the Millennium Falcon. That's a real X I'm factor. Because you're home a lot with the quarantine, but also, like, pastors being home a lot, that's not free time. Yeah. So we're, we're, we're exceptionally busy. So that that's a hard one to my, gauge. My, 
my to-do list is is ever growing without like the the amount of things coming off of it versus the amount of things going on it are those are in direct opposition to one yeah yeah also want to uh i want to put in a big plug for uh, a couple of games we played Catan or Ooh. Catan, however you want to say it very good a game that's 15 years old i highly recommend that, that game <laughs> cutting edge um, and i've started playing red dead redemption online mm-hmm. oh boy that's fun and uh, it it brings out the base elements of, of my my human my humanists because I just go around killing people. <laughs> it's not it's not a high class game at least the way I play it. Let me let me get one more uh, uh, plug in while we're here. Base. I have some friends uh, who released a new album just a couple days ago. Uh, the name of the band is a side project for them. It's called Astronaut, A-S-H-T-R-O-N-A-U-T. It's called The March of the Unicorn. And uh, I, w- I would say this whether they were my friends or not, but I would, if, these guys, if I didn't know these guys, I would still say this. Phenomenal album. Just phenomenal album. Uh, check it out. It's like a whole rock opera about a space unicorn. And if that nice. doesn't entice you, I don't, I don't know what Sounds will. Sounds pretty great. Yeah, I don't know what will. So we've given you plenty of homework. Yep. And uh, we'll see you hopefully next week. Get uh, to work. With, yeah, get to work. <laughs> Have a uh, wonderful beginning to 2021. Let's let's all do this together. Yes, indeed. Until then, I've been Jay. And I've been Tyler. And this has been Roughing, Roughing the, the Pastor. Pastor. Have a wonderful week, everybody. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Butterfly in the sky. <laughs> I can go twice as high. Take a look. It's in a book. I can be anything. <laughs>